This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Mac McMillan, CEO at Synergistech, Inc., an Austin, Texas-based firm that helps healthcare organizations with compliance and risk management issues. Mac is also chair of the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society's Privacy and Security Steering Committee. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mac. In recent weeks, federal regulators issued two final rules for the Medicare and Medicaid Electronic Health Records Incentive Program. One spells out the security capabilities that electronic record software must contain to qualify for the program. The other defines how hospitals and physicians must meaningfully use that software to qualify for the incentives. The meaningful use rule stops short of actually requiring the use of any specific security technologies when implementing EHRs. Is that at all disappointing? You know, that's a good question, I think, to, to start off this discussion. And I, and I think, to be honest, that disappointment is probably the wrong adjective. You know, the government should stay away from, from specifying particular technologies. No one wants that, uh, nor would it really be appropriate. And it's not consistent with what they've done, I think, in other industries as well. However, what they could do, and many believe they should do, is be clearer in specifying, you know, minimal standards, things like security controls, types of technologies that would apply, uh, and, and so that individuals still have the ability to select the best solution or the best technology for their particular environment, but, they're, but they select it based on a set of criteria that meets some standard that's going to then meet the compliance objective of the rule uh, as they wrote it. What the industry nearly needs is those security standards, not just for not just for the healthcare folks to be able to select the right technologies, but more importantly also for vendors who are developing applications and systems for healthcare so that they're developed with some consistency and with, with compliance in mind um, so that that burden doesn't get, get thrown back in the laps of the, of the healthcare provider themselves. So I don't think anyone wants the government to specify particular technologies, and I, so I don't think that that's a, a disappointment, if you will. Uh, I know certainly the government's not interested in doing that. They've, they've expressed that over and over again. But I think everybody, and everybody understands the limitations that that situation would present. But I do believe that, it, that really it's, it's the help that the government could, be, could provide in being more clear and more, more specific with respect to the standard that they expect people to meet, the types of technologies that people need to be thinking about that apply to the, to the provisions that they're putting in the rules, uh, et cetera. You know, I think the breach notification rule was a good example of this, or at least the closest one I've seen so far. The specifics that they included in that role around encryption and the processes uh, created uh, a call to action by both, by both vendors and covered entities, you know, while not limiting them in how they chose to meet the standard. And I think that's what we need more of. So to clarify, what types of standards would you have liked to see included in the uh, meaningful use rule that were not in there? I think what we would have liked to have seen and what the community would like to see and, and what I think would be appropriate are things more akin to what we saw literally in, in, in the breach notification rule. I mean, in that rule, they took established standards that were created by an established and well-known standards body, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, right? They referenced the NIST guidelines for encryption, which don't specify a particular technology, but they specify guidance in, in, in terms of the features, functions, and 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 uh, specifications that an appropriate encryption technology should meet in order for it to do what it's intended to do and meet and meet the the, the intended purpose. 
and then they also reference the, the FIPS guidelines, the Federal Information Processing Standards, in, in terms of the algorithms for, for encryption. So what users came away with, or what readers came away with, uh, in, the, in the breach notification rule was basically a roadmap which helped them, again, go out and figure out what technology they needed to select in order to meet the standard, in order to meet the rule. But it didn't dictate exactly which technology they had to purchase or had to use. So there's lots of encryption solutions out there or lots of applications out there that uh, include encryption in them that meets that standard and therefore acceptable. And that's the correct way to do it, for the government to basically provide enough guidance and enough clarity in the rule and in the, in the standard such that organizations can say, okay, I know what I need to go get in order to meet it. Uh, and I know that what I'm doing is going to be compliant uh, because I understand the, the functions that the system must include or, or must have or I understand the level of, of uh, rigor that the algorithm must must meet, uh, et cetera, so that they that they can measure different technologies out there and say, okay, that one either does or doesn't meet meet what the, what they're looking for with respect to the standard. Earlier, another proposal was unveiled calling for modifying the HIPAA privacy, security, and enforcement rule. That proposal does not include any requirements for the use of certain categories of security technologies such as encryption or authentication. Would you like to see the federal government eventually revise HIPAA to include some sort of mandates for specific generic types of security technologies so they apply to all healthcare organizations and not just those participating in the EHR incentive program? Absolutely. What I really would like to see them do is include uh, greater clarity or specificity with respect to the standard that uh, organizations need to meet and, and technologies need to meet in order to know which ones best apply to what they're trying uh, to accomplish, if you will. And I think this is important to, uh, probably even more important to the people on the front lines and uh, with respect to, to who the folks that are actually trying to implement security programs in healthcare. Uh, these folks are trying to explain to uh, clinicians and to technologists and to managers and what they need to do in order to meet the, the requirements of meaningful use or, or high-tech or or HIPAA security, privacy, et cetera, and oftentimes they don't have enough guidance or enough clarity around the requirement to basically say, I, this is the technology we need, and I know that this is the one I need because this is what it does and this is how it applies and this is how it meets this requirement. And, and I think that's one of the things that, that, that in the, one of the ways that we have let them down, so to speak, with these, with these rules uh, and made it harder for them to actually do the things that they know they need to do because oftentimes they can't justify or explain why they need a particular solution when the requirement doesn't call for that or doesn't provide enough, enough specificity with respect to what's required in order to be able to articulate exactly why they need to do something in, in order to answer the, the, the requirement. Security has always been, uh, unfortunately, a regulatory-driven uh, phenomena, right? I mean, it's, it's often that people follow regulation when they're addressing security. So if the regulation is vague or doesn't include at least some minimal standard for compliance, then it's very difficult for them to, to be able to identify and to be able to explain uh, to management exactly what it is they need to do or why it's important for them to do it.
there, there's a reason why uh, when they wrote the HIPAA rule that they they wanted it to remain flexible, and it, and it made sense, right? You want you want a rule that basically can apply to the large healthcare entity, uh, multi-hospital system, and at the same time the small physician's office. But I think one of the things that they they failed to recognize um, is that you can still have a standard that describes what needs to be done in order to meet the requirement without specifying particular technologies so that so that you don't end up in a situation where where it doesn't work in one environment or the other or where there's still flexibility for that organization to go out and figure out based on their environment and their need and their risk how best to meet that standard whether that be any anything from a manual process to to an automated process, and and you can still have that that specificity with respect to the standard, and that's what we have, quite frankly, uh, in other industries. When you look at security uh, standards or security frameworks as they apply to other industries, they're not specific in terms of you have to go use this specific IDS system or this access control system or this firewall. What they what they are specific in is the standard that the technology or the control must meet and then the and then the user or the or the uh, in the entity involved has the ability based on their environment to go figure out what's the best technology to meet that particular standard or control objective that's what's missing uh, with with HIPAA and you know a classic example of that is is risk assessment in the meaningful use rule they reinforced the need for organizations to conduct risk risk assessment in the EHR certification final rule they reinforced the need for organizations to conduct risk assessment but the reference they gave for risk assessment was the original specification within HIPAA which is where the the regulatory mandate comes from to conduct that risk assessment but that particular specification in HIPAA provides no guidance or no clarity around what must be done, how broad the scope of the risk assessment, how often the risk assessment should be accomplished, what areas are important to cover in the risk assessment, you know, just even the general periodicity of when risk assessment ought to be performed. So again, users are left with, you know, this this situation where it's very much up to interpretation. Now what OCR did in their very first guidance document that they published was that they published an outstanding review of the risk assessment or risk analysis process and and they referenced once again they referenced the NIST guidelines with respect to how to conduct a risk assessment but once again they fell short of identifying you know some of the specifics around what what's expected or what's what is the minimal standard you know how often should I do this the bottom line is that, that you know in a guidance document like that you're not going to you're not going to lay down the requirement that ought to be in the rule and 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 I think that's one of the things this is one of the places I think where we have an opportunity here uh since we're looking at the new the new rule on HIPAA privacy and security and modifications to it to to it's an opportunity now to actually provide some clarity around the requirements that are in those rules not add to them not more requirements, if you will, you know, not greater security, but just explain 
and use a, a recognizable standard, what is expected of an organization when we say risk assessment? What is you know what is considered compliant, so that organizations can can turn around and take that, just like they did with the breach notification rule and the encryption requirements there, and say, oh, you know what? I now know what I need to do. I've got to go. I've got to encrypt data in motion. I've got to encrypt data at the transport layer. I've got to encrypt data at rest if I want to create safe harbor. And oh, by the way, the encryption standard that I have to use is specified as X. And 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 now I can go look and see what's out there that meets that meets that standard. And in any one of those that meets that standard, I can then choose the one that works best for me. Same thing with risk assessment. What minimally is required? Of me when conducting a risk assessment. What is an acceptable risk assessment as defined by the federal government with respect to this standard? Finally, based on your experience, what are the one or two most important steps hospitals and physicians implementing comprehensive EHR should take to ensure clinical information remains secure? Well, my advice here, I think, is twofold, and sort of the first piece of it involves the, the vendor uh, relationship. And, and I'd say for those organizations that haven't already implemented an EHR, absolutely incorporate security specifications into your RFP uh, process, if you will, or your selection criteria. You know, make it clear up front that this is a requirement. Obviously, make sure that the privacy and security functionality is demonstrated during any demonstrations or any proofs of concept uh, that, that uh, you have the vendors go through. And request, you know, what standard that they're building this functionality to. I mean, there are some established standards out there with respect to how things get coded and developed and, and, and where security requirements come from. What is your vendor? What did your vendor select for for, the, for how they built the, the, the functionality into their system? Is it something proprietary, which we know is going to eventually uh, equate to some interoperability issue, or is it a, is it a recognizable standard? That they've applied that will that we know will have a greater ability to communicate with other systems and, and integrate better into into the environment. You know, post selection, uh, provide that vendor with with not only the, the the required business associate agreement, but also consider giving them a security agreement with respect to what's expected of them after after the sale. Particularly if they're going to be involved in any way uh, with either managing the system and, and also, obviously, if they're going to host the system uh, for you. Very important, I think, in today's environment that we, we, we explain to vendors exactly what we expect of them uh, with respect to, to security and privacy. If you already have an EHR system, you know, then, then you, you really need to work with your vendor to, to find out, uh, figure out exactly what functionality is there whether or not it meets the requirement or not, if there isn't, if something's missing, you know, what's the plan uh, for releasing uh, the next version or the upgrade that's going to provide that functionality, you know, making sure that it's, it's actually on the vendor's roadmap. You know, re-visit re, uh, your BAA with them, which should already have been done uh, earlier this year. Uh, but consider also, you know, serving them with a, with a security agreement that, that, again, spells out, uh, what you expect from them uh, with respect to, to privacy and security. And then secondly, conduct that risk analysis because even if you have an EHR that is, that is certifiable or that has the, all the functionality, et cetera, uh, that functionality still has to be configured, has to be set up properly in the system, 
and the real key to, to doing that properly is is understanding you know exactly you know how your data is created, how it's used, who it's who uses it, uh, where it's stored, uh, where it could potentially uh, be at risk or become unsecured, and then applying the right configurations. Uh, as well as uh, the right security uh, functionality to protect that data appropriately. Thanks very much. We've been talking today with Mac McMillan, CEO at Synergist Tech. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks so much for listening.